0: we
1: Welcome to the 37th episode of The Invincely's Super Massive comic book podcast of stuff. I'm Tony Guerrero, the editor-in-chief of ComicVine.com. And with me is a very busy man. He's working for several different publishers. He is the current and only writer for Quantum and Woody at Valiant. Sure. He's working on Gambit at Marvel. He's doing Thief of Thieves at Image and other stuff that you're we're going to talk about. So I have Mr. James Asmus.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank,
1: thank you for writing that scene that required Mike Allred to draw a Wolverine and Nightcrawler in the bathroom. <laughs> I always oh, bring that man. up. I,
0: I couldn't have been happier. Uh, Mike Allred one of my all time <laughs> fates. And uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of um, kind of like grounding superhero stuff. And kind of idiosyncratic regular life. And um, that, that moment made me really happy. And I was really doubly happy when it turned into both a conversation on your site and a thread of people Photoshopping other people into the bathroom. So.
1: Uh, yeah, I was just thinking, it's like, it's like hmm, yeah. I, I haven't done that one yet. I haven't done the Photoshop. But yeah, so I, I did that article about superheroes going to the bathroom yeah. be- because of that. And, <laughs> and I, I think you and I talked about this before, but it's like Wolverine has gone to the bathroom so many times in comics. Yeah. And for, for a guy with a healing factor, he has like the worst bladder.
0: <laughs> Cause uh, that's really true. well, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, you know, but he also, he, he'll, that's because he can drink like a six pack in two minutes.
1: I guess he's processing it or whatever. To yeah. Get, get rid, cause, Cause there is, there was an, I think it was a, a new X-Men issue where he was at the hellfire club and then Sabretooth was there and they're, yeah.
0: That's right. That's
1: right. And then um, in Wolverine, the end. Um, so when, when he's like old Wolverine, um, there's part where he had to go to the bathroom. I think at the airport or something like that. It's like <laughs> no one else ever goes to the bathroom. It's just
0: <laughs> well, I got Nightcrawler in there. So yeah. Was...
1: <laughs> I like that. What about Psylocke? <laughs> English? <laughs> I definitely.
0: Um, I I've actually written other bathroom scenes that have gotten cut. Uh, out of scripts for space or for inappropriateness, um, which happens to me a lot. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> most of my scripts, I would say about 95% of them have included the note, there's no way we can put this in a comic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the, the funny thing is, what I just realized, and I even wrote it in, in the, the review for Quantum and Woody, he's, he's peeing in the bathtub.
0: Yes, yes. Oh, that's right. That's right. I love to me, that's such a perfect um, introduction to his character. Is despite there being a toilet right there, because, Open. because he's in a fancy hotel, he's not paying for. He just decides to pee in the giant bathtub because he can.
1: Uh, I, I didn't even put put that together till just now because <laughs> I, I remember the, when they released the preview um, pages for this, they included that page, and I remember oh. some I, there was like the one comment was like, "Is he peeing in a bathtub?" <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> And it's, it's like yes, it's James Asmus writing it, so of course he's peeing in a bathtub.
0: <laughs> I man, i I can only I can only shake my head at the legacy I'm creating for myself.
1: Because <laughs> uh, I I I I put that in um in in the review for the first issue. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like
0: the. I I admit I don't. Um, I've I've just kind of been. Uh, skimming reviews for this book um, because I'm so uh, I so I I used to write theater um, and I would love to still do it but um, when I started I definitely always read my reviews because uh, and I I still feel like I have a lot I can always learn as a writer about just how to keep getting better and where my intent uh, isn't what people read when they read the book. Um, But I have to admit increasingly when I feel like I really love something, I don't worry as much about what the nitpicks of the reviews are. I just feel like I kind of want to keep following my impulse on it. And with this one that I've definitely had such a blast writing quantum and woody that like, I'm just kind of taking a general temperature. Like I'll read the last paragraph of a review to get their overall takeaway. And I feel like if something really drove them crazy, it'll be there, you know? Um, So as a result, I miss hearing uh, what people's individual favorite moments or lines were, which I always appreciate. It's always weird to look at Tumblr on for characters or stuff that I've written and see what moments like people chose to scan cut out and post like it's, it's almost never the moments I expect uh, to hit hardest, but it's, uh, it it does me infinite. It it fills me with infinite joy to see people going to all that trouble because they liked the moment.
1: Yeah. So uh, we, we should also, um, I guess, you know, reveal a little behind a curtain that this is sort of being recorded a little earlier. So, yes. So otherwise you would have had, some more opportunity to to read, read more, <laughs> r- more reviews, especially mine.
0: That's true. Yes, oh.
1: but the very last sentence I, I wrote. Plus, how often do you get to see a character pee in a bathtub?
0: Oh man! So, yes.
1: So there's a selling point.
0: <laughs> see, and I'm glad you got that at the end because also I feel like if anyone else is like me and they skip, you know, to to get the basic summary of like thumbs up, thumbs down. I think that's uh, you're right. That should be a selling point. If that idea tickles you at all, this is maybe the number one book on the market for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, and that's the thing with with our review because you know we we break down reviews. We have the good, the bad, and the verdict. So right. you know the verdict basically sums it all up. But I I know there's there's people that they just look at the ratings. You know they'll just look at the stars. And, oh yeah, and they're like, well, what about this part here? And it's like, uh, that's like in the second paragraph. We you know.
0: Talk about that. It's like, <laughs> well, it is funny. It's, man, I have such a love hate relationship with like number ratings and stars for mm-hmm. books because to me, I feel like um, I've gone through phases as someone who enjoys stuff as a reader where there's times where I resent books that aren't my taste and there's times where, uh, you know, I've tried everything. And at this point, I sort of feel like. Yeah, man. There's there's an audience for everything, and rather than be like this is terribly done, people should be like this is exactly what the book is trying to do. This is how well it does it. Um, but so often I've I guess I, I've seen reviews of my own work that goes on to be like, oh, there's really nothing wrong with it. I guess it's good for this kind of a book, but I don't like that kind of a book. <laughs> so two out of ten, and I'm like, that's not that's not a real critical assessment. You you know what I mean? You yeah. would say. Oh, it's very well done for what it is. I'm not the audience for it. If you like that kind of thing, go get. It. That's where numbers uh, are sort of an inexact summary of of what the actual review is about.
1: Yeah. So I mean, because for us, we're so we're on a five five um, star scale with no half stars, and you know, oh, they,
0: half stars. I thought you had half stars.
1: We used to um, back in the day, but. Uh, they they de- decided they wanted to align us with like some of our like our 'cause because like when we were media um, yeah. when we were when we were at whiskey media before CBS you know um, we had giant bomb and screen and you know they all used whole stars so they're like you know let's keep everyone on the same scale and I was like okay yeah you know, at first I, I was a little reluctant because uh-huh. with the when you have the half stars you you basically that changes it to like a, a ten point scale right and for me because. You know, I, I used to be a math teacher, so with just a math background, you know, I would say like a 4.5 is a 90%. It's an A minus, yeah. okay? Um, yeah. So we don't have that now, but even like like Netflix, you know, they they I think they do the, the, you know, whole things. Actually, I don't know if they have halves or not.
0: No, I think you're right. I think it's just holes.
1: But, I mean, it's basically, you know, so like a five star doesn't mean it's like the absolute best perfect comic out there. It just means like, I had a great time reading this. You know, this yeah. was really cool. And you know, so then a four is it's it's good. You know, just maybe you know, a couple things that are off. Three. It's
0: hard. To, it, it is hard to think about that. To be like, you either get a hundred percent or an eighty. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. That that that's. But now that you know, we're we're kind of doing this, and I'm I'm kind of like, okay, I, I kind of get that. It's like you know, five is absolutely loved it. Four is like this. This is really good. Three is like it's okay. Two is like, uh, and then one is like, sorry, man. <laughs> so. So we're getting used to that. Um, but yeah, so there, there's times where, you know, people just, they, they look at the rating and, and they, they also sometimes forget that, you know, ratings are, are reviews or, I mean, they're opinions. Yeah. And that's why you got to read that. And when we figure out, you know, who's going to review what, I wouldn't, if, if I knew someone hated, you know, Batman, right. I'm, I'm not going to say, hey, why don't you review Batman? You know, First
0: off, if someone hates Batman, fire them.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Uh, this is
0: coming from someone who doesn't work for DC. But if you have someone on your staff, you find out they don't like Batman, suggest a different career.
1: If, if they don't, if you don't get Batman, you're out of here. Yeah, <laughs> but because um, I mean, th- th- so I, I try to give people you know I, what they they want and sure. and sure. you know the the joke was um, which I, I told you um, because Greg and Matt they they do a lot of. They pretty much do all the Valiant books because you know, they they really love it. Like I started off, I, I was reviewing like Exo Manowar, and then Matt kind of took over, and then he kind of kind of stole the the series away, and he's been doing it ever since. So it's like okay, so that's like your series to review, <laughs> but I can step in whenever I want. You know, if I want to be the you know the jerk with the power and say you know I'm I'm going to take this now. Yeah, and and then since you're doing you know all the other Valiant books, and you know Quantum Woody coming out, and you're writing it, so I said in the beginning I was like I'm gonna be re- reviewing this, and then it was like a couple week a week before Matt he he sends out an email or he's he's like he's like hey can I call dibs on Quantum Woody I was like wait a minute I already I already <laughs> called dibs on that before, and then Greg was like it's like yeah he did it was in an email so I was like there you go in your face. So. <laughs> But I'll I'll probably share. Did you ever read the old series? I read some. Um, yeah, so I was familiar because um, I you know, I I I was like off and on with the Valiant because um, you know mm-hmm. even back then there was there was a lot of of comics to read. Yeah, and so you know I, I, I picked them up and and you know I I think we talked about it. I don't remember if it was an actual um, interview we did at was WonderCom. It? was it? Yeah. WonderCon. I was trying to, I was trying to, I remember it was like the Valiant booth. It was right by the bathroom. <laughs> 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 yeah. So is that at WonderCon and, and how it was a light hard series, but then it kind of got dark, you know, cause I remember oh, you, yeah. you, you going into uh, that. Yeah. So what is your take going to be besides Woody peeing <laughs> in a bathtub? Every issue,
0: <laughs> every issue you should know, even if you don't see it happen in an issue, it happened between the panels. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, um, I, so I, I've said this a lot of places, but I, uh, came to this series late. Uh, most of the, well, the whole acclaim era of Valiant, um, in the late nineties was like right when I was going to college, like headed off or at college and didn't have money for comics mm-hmm. for a while. Um, So I had to catch up later when people were recommending Quantum and Woody to me, and I loved it. Um, I do think – it's been funny because um, I think that the original series is actually more um, diverse and kind of complex than the way people ever – Talk about it now or even it Seems like it was perceived at the time Um, Like we sort of talked About the original series actually uh, Starts pretty freewheeling and and funny And um, there's some great Kind of meta bits But it goes into some longer Stretches where it's a little It's more serious minded It's much more serious minded Um, I mean they swap bodies for several Issues but um, then they get Into stories about like Woody being abused And um there's there's some other stuff that really um you know just gets heavy hearted for a while or or a little drier um and i definitely don't mind that but for me i'm trying to uh strike a little bit more of a, that balance and obviously what what i love about the original series and what i've tried to recapture is the kind of uh character-based humor and the sort of you know idiosyncrasy and agitation that comes out of the personalities of these guys and, and, uh, creating the kind of people who just keep making bad decisions is, is a lot of fun to write. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, I'm trying to make sure that early on we're showing signs and, and earning, you know, the emotional side of these guys too. And the fact that we're going to talk about how they feel about being failures (laughs) in, in kind of a, uh, a way that's actually empathetic Um, and and some stuff for them that really was uh, heartbreaking uh, for for them. Um, But all of it is still going to be built with um, humor as a coping mechanism, (laughs) (laughs) if if not an overwhelming um, agent of chaos in their life. Uh, And and to me, I think that's just so much more of how I write in general. And uh, I think my worldview, um, I I like to – I don't like to switch from comedy to tragedy. I like to weave them together as much as I can.
1: Okay. Now, uh, I, I, mean, I don't know how much of this you want to want to touch on, but with, um, the devaliant books. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, in a, in a sense there, there, I don't know if you want necessarily say they're being relaunched or reintroduced, you know, cause you know, we are starting over. Yeah. Um, how much does, like, you know, the, the higher-ups at Valiant, you know, do they say, okay, hey, James, you you know, you're going to be doing Quantum and Woody. This is what we want from the characters based on what happened before. Or is it, like, what's your take? Where do you want to take them? You know, what do you want to pull from the, you know, the previous appearance? Sure,
0: sure. Well, what um the way that it went was they reached out to me, much to my surprise, and asked um, if I would just want to pitch. Like, they just said, what— what would your take on Quantum and Moody be? And um, so I wrote back with kind of like my macro, you know, my impression of what the series was, uh, my notes on what I would change um, if if I were to try and reintroduce it. Uh, And then I sort of threw in a bunch of elements like you could go here, you could go here, you could do this stuff. Um, Like this seems like, something worth exploring. Here's an idea for, you know, villains. Um, and they liked that enough. Uh, I was mostly dealing with editor, uh, Jody LaHoop, who has been fantastic to work with. Um, and, you know, he talked with the other editors and with Valiant proper, uh, you know, all the administrative folks. Um, and I guess, you know, they kind of honed in on the stuff in that document they liked And then I put together, like, a rough plot, uh, kind of knowing what they liked, what they weren't as keen on, and and after thinking about it myself, where I would want to go. And I put together maybe, like, a two-page pitch for a story, and they dug that. So then I just built it out to, like, okay, here's an outline for an opening arc, and here's some places I would want to go directly thereafter. And they basically then called me and were like, we love it. And I was bracing myself for them to be like, we love it. Now change this, 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 here's our laundry list of things you have to do. And that didn't happen. They just sort of said like, we really like your take. We think it's true, um, to what's great about the original, but, um, isn't just mimicking it and isn't kind of throwing it away to just try and invent whatever you've secretly been trying to write for years. Um, Uh, You know, they definitely helped me refine some things. There are places in which they were like, you know, that's this choice would paint them in a different light than than we want to present these characters. Um, uh, And there's been a little bit of negotiation on that front. But overall, it's really been um, wonderfully supportive of my impulses and excitement and, you know, what I feel like is what I can bring to the book.
1: That's great because, you know, what I, I think, you know, some people don't realize the way like certain publishers work where, you know, it's it's a lot of, is up, up to editorial. Yeah. And, you know, you, um, you, you can't put all the all the praise or. Right. Or. or um,
0: oh, yeah. Well, certainly in general, um, I know many editors who complain that uh, editors will get thrown under the bus when there's a big choice that fans don't like. Um, But they never get credit for large or small choices that, you know, fans do like. Um,
1: I I was gonna say, I almost think it goes the other way, too, because like I, I, I get the impression that sometimes editorial is like, okay we need to do this. The writer does that. And then when when people flip out, it's you know, I always use like like ultimatum as an example. Oh, you right. Know, you know, so Jeff Loeb wrote all this. And it, it, there's no way. And I don't care how, you know, if he's a, the president of television, whatever stuff now, but, you know, back then, no one's oh, going to tell <laughs> yeah, No one's going to come into Marvel and say, hey, I want to kill all these characters. I don't care if you like it or not. I'm, I'm going to do it. And you're not, you know. So, of, of course, editorials either day said, we want you to kill these people or they're like, yeah, you can kill these people. And then, right. you know, he got a lot of flack over he killed everyone in ultimate universe. It's like, no, you know, he did. But it wasn't just him.
0: Right. Right. And at the very least, like editors are far from powerless to stop anything <laughs> you know what I mean? like they can they can throw the brakes on anything they they really want. But at the same time, you know, I, I will say working for Marvel, there's kind of no shortage of times where the job itself that I'm being offered is a list of things they want accomplished. You know what I mean? Like there, there are several gigs I've done where the call starts. Do you want to write this thing? We need it to do X, Y, and Z. This character should end up here by the end. You know, we need you to like bridge the gap between these things or, you know, fill in this information. Um, and I, have definitely had times where I've pitched a bunch of stories I really wanted to do. And I was told like, no, tell you what, just write this instead. And I'm given like a plot Um, and then there's other times where I get a call and it's just says, what do you want to do with blank? You know, like, um, generation hope was, they just sort of said, do you want to do it? And what stories do you want to tell? (laughs) Um, and I loved it. Uh, I had been a fan of what Kieran was doing and I knew as a reader of the book, what I wanted to see paid off or explored or where I thought you could zig instead of zagging. Um, uh so it but it, it really is true i think i think it's hard for fans to understand because of how complex and different editors role in building comics can be um and i think um just to <laughs> to speak totally out of school uh you know i think you're hearing the conversation now over at d in in reference to dc when you're seeing creative teams change so often mm-hmm. then you you can't help but know there's Um, kind of an editorial intent to, to where they want things to go. Um, And I think it's a little bit clearer to start seeing the delineation there than at Marvel when, you know, on all the now books, they have people on for two years, you know, you kind of don't know how many of those titles did the creators step on and the editorial or the senior, you know, the architects or whatever have decided this would be a great new direction to go with that character great, you get to script it now. You know, um, there's there's kind of every version uh, along the spectrum between being totally editorially dictated and being wildly free and not that different from doing a creator-owned just with characters that are, you know, corporate IP. Yeah. Uh, and, and for me, truthfully, I actually, I really like um, some editorial input, especially if I'm doing stuff for those companies. Um, uh, honestly, I I would kind of rather they come at me with a few things to try to accomplish, and then I know that I can just kind of make almost any story I want that checks all those boxes. Um, when they're trying to control the whole thing, it, it's really difficult, and it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't yield a great final book because the editor is basically trying to write it themselves Mm -hmm. with (laughs) hands but, uh, but can't actually sit there and tell you every choice to make. So they just end up revising and revising and nitpicking and kind of noting you to death where you you don't actually get to have your storytelling impulse. Um, And I shouldn't generalize there, there might be writers who can absolutely do it (laughs) and kind of make it their own. But I find when, when the, list of to-dos or, or the the editor's intent is overwhelming. I really struggle. Uh, I feel like those are always my weakest books. Um, but I there's plenty of stuff I've written for Marvel that was like, make sure it accomplishes X, Y, and Z. Now, what story do you want to tell with it? That I feel like I've been able to just use that as a springboard to start brainstorming on stories, as opposed to starting with a blank slate and infinite possibilities, which a lot of times I end up coming back with Stories where they're like, no, well, I guess that doesn't fit the mark for X, Y, or Z. And then we end up spending a lot of time just trying to whittle it down from everything into something. Um, so I, I kind of know. I, I kind of dig editors who have a bit of an agenda but don't try and backseat drive the book. All
1: right, I got a question about number one. Um, so, so when, yeah. When, so when Woody and Eric, when they, they fight at the funeral. Yes. Um. So Woody says something, and I don't know—is this offensive? Because so Eric punches him, you know, knocks down, and he's like, "I've been hit harder by drag queens." Yeah. So I, I, uh, I—is that
0: you're asking me if that's offensive?
1: Yeah. Are are drag queens going to be like, hey, you know, (laughs) the, the drag queen community?
0: I don't know. I would like to hear from them if if they are offended. It is kind of meant to be. uh both irreverent and empowering because he is saying there are tougher there are drag queens who are still tougher than you know u.s army vets um (laughs) i think uh you know i truthfully that that line is like a late addition and because whatever was in there originally i i think they felt didn't maybe it was like too expository or heavy so i actually did for that line what i often do in my scripts when editors bucket whatever i put in originally and i do an editor's choice where i then write like 10 punch lines and they get to pick which one they want to go with um so not to not to wash my hands of any responsibility
1: (laughs) it's editor Uh, editorial's fault
0: (laughs) once again no um but uh no that's you know i i try to it's interesting because if that, if you question that, there's a joke and issue too that we like debated whether it's offensive or not. And it comes from Woody who in my mind says things that aren't right. Yeah. And I don't, I, it's interesting. It's a weird thing in comedy because uh, I think not every reader or audience member gets this distinction, but comedy is about our flaws and I think there's a real way to depict characters who say offensive things, where it's clear that they are not the correct worldview. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there's a lot at play in terms of how the story treats that character and even that moment, and and all this other stuff that that can kind of tilt it into seeming that your the story is either supporting that view or isn't, um, and it's a delicate balance, but I often find some readers will just get offended by things I never could have imagined would be offensive, mm-hmm. and then I'll sometimes put in things that are intended to push buttons that no one reacts to, so, <laughs> um, so who knows? But uh, yeah, I don't know. That joke, for me personally, I would be s- not surprised if someone found it offensive. I would be very surprised if most people think it's insulting.
1: But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean even if, if you did write, or even, like, let's say Woody said something truly offensive, I, I, I think people would have a hard time separating the fact that that could be part of his character. And I'm not saying he's a character that would be offensive, but, you know, just for example. So if, if he were to say something offensive, that doesn't necessarily reflect your opinion.
0: Right. I mean, God, I I, I hope – people don't confuse me with with Woody Um, because it's, you know, it's, it's fun to, it's really fun to write someone who is kind of pure id. Um, But, you know, I would think, I don't think anyone would assume Jerry Duggan, like actually wants to kill people because he's writing Deadpool, you know, loving, killing people. Um, Like, I, I, I don't think people confuse Christopher Nolan for the Joker uh, in terms of his worldview or intent, I know it gets a little trickier when it's your good guy as opposed to your bad guy. Um, but you know, uh, we're, we're pretty clearly saying like Woody's not really right mm-hmm. uh, most most of the time. Um, but um, you know, but you still, I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate that it's uh, when when you're in a group of people where you already feel um, underrepresented or marginalized or anything that like that uh, to, to, to be brought up only in the context of a joke, I am, I know is, um, you know, that, that has to be uh, something that isn't fun. Um, but hopefully if you find the way to structure it, like to me, that's, that's sort of what I'm, the way I hope that joke plays is that, you know he's saying oh there there is diversity amongst the drag queen population and you have strong manly drag queens and you also have the stereotypical he's contrasting that with the stereotypical image of sort of you know the the more negative uh fey uh concepts of people with alternate gender identities
1: okay um how how far and I, I was, I was, you know, I wasn't being that serious. Oh. Was... No, I mean, I mean, no, in, in in a way. Feel free to cut out
0: that long-winded answer, but <laughs> no,
1: I, no, because I mean, I
0: spent, I spent years doing comedy before I got into comics. I was doing improv and stand-up and sketch comedy, and um, there really, there's a real point when you're doing comedy where you confront the fact that people will get offended by things you were not intending to offend them with, and you have to kind of. I don't know, go through it and come out on the other side with an opinion and uh, all comedians are sort of different, but mine is, you know, I'll try and think about jokes that I know are in a, in an awkward or or could be touching on a hot button. And I try and make sure that I really feel as good about the choices and, and frame the joke in the right way. And if it's more offensive than it is meaningful uh, or funny, don't, don't use it. Um, but I, I resigned a long time ago to the idea that someone will always be offended and often in places I wasn't expecting. So I can't write just defensively so that no one gets offended.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the reason I bring it up is because every week I I do a video, best stuff of the week in comics. And, um, you know, a lot of them, people will, will give me suggestions, you know, they'll they'll tweet different things under. So, um, someone tweeted me that like best diss of the week (laughs) and and they include it so i was was like yeah but then i was like but is you know and i don't know what how vocal the drag queen community is if you know if there is one but i was like sure they are i was (laughs) like are they gonna get offended with that And if if i'm seeing if i'm backing Uh, this as best diss (laughs) you know
0: that's that's a good question so Um,
1: so i i i I mentioned it's like maybe potentially uh, offensive
0: uh if it's If it's any comfort to anyone out there, I lived with a drag queen for a year and a half in Chicago. um, And I have several friends who are drag queens. My friend and Gambit editor, Daniel Ketchum, uh, is the biggest proponent of drag you will ever meet. And we've had extensive conversations about RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I have no... I sort of have no... um, Uh, I can actually – if it makes you feel better, I I might be able to send you a picture of me uh, in drag as a child (laughs) um, uh, dressing up as a woman. I have nothing – yeah, I have no beef. (laughs) I grew up in theater, man. I am profoundly comfortable with every point on the sexuality spectrum and gender identity.
1: (laughs) It's funny you mention RuPaul because on our other podcast, somehow RuPaul came up and – um, the other people I was podcasting with, they they weren't familiar with this song. I think it's Cover Girl. Yeah, and and they're or, like, "What? Like Cover that's... Girl?" So Turn yeah, left. Yeah, so I, I I started playing that on a podcast, you know, off of YouTube, <laughs> and like, what is this? I was like, because they knew who RuPaul was. Yeah, because you know, RuPaul has you know a show or had a show or
0: yeah, RuPaul's Drag Race.
1: Yeah, sounds like it's like, it's like yeah, there was a video. It was a song. It was on the radio. How
0: and there... young are these people?
1: I don't know. It's like, how old am I, I guess, is, is a question.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't like the question phrased that way. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, uh, so, I don't know if I asked you. Uh, how far uh, out do you have um, Quantum and Woody planned?
0: Um, three arcs and a very surprisingly important um, one shot. Uh, that seems like a joke and mostly is a joke, but that actually has a really, really important piece in it. Um, so probably what's that like 15 issues or something. Um, and we've tried to leave what happens after that a little flexible just in case, um, you know, in case fans rioted in protest and, and burned every comic shop down because of quantum and woody or if, um, uh, or even just if we might, Around that point, it might feel like we might want to cross over. Um, But, yeah, I have have a lot of broad strokes of where I want to take the characters, uh, ranging from, like, kind of one-off little gags to do to kind of longer stories I'd like to explore to subplots or, you know, Mm -hmm. weird weird issues. I just decided the other day that I kind of – I don't know if they'll ever let me do this, but I want to find a way to do a sort of Rashomon – a uh, flip book style issue where the first part of it is uh, Woody's account of, or, you know, Eric's account of events uh, versus Woody's. And in the middle, you get the objective truth from the goat. Um, that was, that's, I still don't even know what the conflict is, but stuff like that, I feel like I would like to be able to get to find places to start playing with the form a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause these are characters who, broke the fourth wall in their original series. And that's fun to do, but I feel like um, that just kind of opens up the door for us to experiment a little bit more as we go forward with um, structure.
1: Okay. Yeah, because so, so I know there was one question. It's like, is this in the same Valiant universe? And
0: Yeah, it is. And, and that question comes up a lot, and I understand because a lot of the other Valiant stuff is um, uh, certainly not as... Humorous, yeah and, uh, I, and I,
1: and I, that's that 's one of the things i I really like because it, it, it stands out not this i mean all the valiant books i mean and I, I I even mentioned it in the the review it's like pretty much like every every book that comes out is great it 's like i don 't know crazy right like, i don 't know what they 're doing over there like what 's in the, the the water you know the the water I mean, like, cooler
0: truthfully, the answer is they are all genuinely dedicated to making great books and i think there's they know what makes for great comics they they know at least from my experience the degree to which they are supportive informative and hands-on without getting in between the creators and their work um, they really try and create the best environment for success and feedback. I think they're very careful about what they choose to do in the first place and to make sure they got people who care and have ideas. Um, I will say this. They, they, they are incredibly um, supportive and they, they treat me as well or better than I've been treated in any projects that I've ever worked on. So. Uh, they've certainly earned my loyalty and my hard work and my respect. Um, uh, but it's, yeah, I mean, they make amazing books. They make books that I thought I was not interested in so well that I love reading them. Like I, I genuinely kind of was hesitant to pick up bloodshot cause I just, my preconception about the character was like, uh it's just kind of dumb, extreme violence. <laughs> Uh, and that's not it at all. It's a really soulful book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really intelligent book. And it's, it's just super tight and engaging. Um, and, you know, I, I will say, uh, I hope the Valiant Reputation, and it seems like this is happening a fair amount, I hope the Valiant Reputation gets a lot of people to check out Cornel and Woody, even if they weren't sure if it was for them. Because I, I do think the book... As it is, and especially what it was in the 90s, has a lot of misconceptions about it. I think a lot of people think it's Looney Tunes, um, and it's not. And, you know, to circle back to your question about how it exists in the Valiant universe, it's not Looney Tunes in that, you know, there, there isn't going to suddenly be a, um, an anvil dropping out of the sky. Um, it, it, the humor really comes from the character's perspective and their worldview, And you can put someone who's wildly flawed or has a ridiculous worldview in any situation and get comedy out of it. Um, It doesn't undermine the world around them. You know, not, not everyone there is an idiot just because they do idiotic things. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually, I really look forward to bumping them off against other characters. Um, Obviously Archer and Armstrong is actually a book at Valiant. That's not only fantastic, but has a really excellent sense of humor. Yeah. Um, and it has a lot of pathos and myth building and stuff like that too. Um, it, but it's probably the the most important stepping stone from our book to the rest of the Valiant universe. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I see it as totally being able to exist in that world. We're not um, tying our mythology to the other mythologies so tightly um, at this point. I look forward to exploring where they can overlap, but yeah, I don't know. I, to me, that's crazy because it's like, how do people, how do people think like Dracula exists in the Marvel universe Mm -hmm. with, you know, um, with any number of other aliens or, uh, you know, the century or, you know, like you have full blown superheroes and vampires and, you know, Space Nazis or whatever, like you and magic. You know, you have everything under the sun in that universe. Um, and Howard the Duck is the cherry on top. You mm-hmm.
1: know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's, that's great. I, I can't wait to see. Um, and this is one of those cases where, you know, so I imagine the solicits probably for like what two, three, and four are out, but it's like I, I, I don't want to know. What they are, I mean, I I I always try to avoid the solicits when I can.
0: I get so angry writing solicits because you're inherently like giving stuff away about stories that haven't even been published yet, and not even just in the solicits, but to sometimes to tee up the fourth issue. I'm having to tell you stuff about villains or whatever who were a reveal mm-hmm. in an issue that's yet to come out. It just, it just drives me crazy. Yeah,
1: and and some people, they, they like, they're on the editor seats waiting for those solicitors to come out to see like what, <laughs> what possible little tidbit, you know, what, what clue, what, you know, but yeah. it's like, I get that, but it's like, like for me and, and in my position, I should be one of those people to see like three months, you know, this character may be coming <laughs> back or something, but it's like, I, I enjoy reading comics as well, and it's like I, I I love when I can read a comic, and I have no idea what's going to happen. I am right there with you, brother. Because it doesn't happen very often. No, like um uh I, I just read uh Sheltered um oh yeah when that, How when that came been? out so and then that was you know so it was Ed Ed Brison yeah. who um he did Comeback and you know I, I love that series and so because of that when 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 um sheltered was going to come out it's like i have no absolutely no idea what this book is about but because i like this other books like i am gonna read this book i love the first issue i mean it had this great twist at the end it's it's, it's billed as like a pre-apocalyptic um story nice so you, you kind of see this um and I'm, I'm sure they exist all over the place where you, you have these small communities where they want to live like off the grid. They're preparing, you know, they're, they're rationing all their, you know, gathering all their supplies just in case something happens. You know, they Uh don't trust the government. So you're, you're kind of seeing this community being built and, and, you know, you, you don't really see that often. And there's this like crazy twist at the end. And, you know, that's, that's all I'm going to say about it. But I, Uh I I just, I really enjoyed it. Like not knowing what was coming up and with um, like quantum and Woody, you know, I, I had an idea. You know, I, I saw the preview pages, so that that gave a little bit away, and I knew, you know, there was going to be a lot of humor in there. But it's like, you know, like what, what's going to happen after this? It's like, okay, spoiler, they're going to get their powers here. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know that has to <laughs>
0: right, right, right. happen. Well, that's you know, and that's definitely one of those things where um, I knew we couldn't just end on they get their powers <laughs> <laughs> because it's essentially it's on the cover. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, so hopefully the actual situation we leave them in is that sort of a cliffhanger for you.
1: Yeah, but that, that's things like issue two. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, yeah, great. And great. and I'm going to do my best to try to you know try to keep it that way.
0: Well, don't don't look at the previews for issue three because if you see those before you read two, they will ruin the cliffhanger of two, oh, which man. is hopefully really jarring.
1: Wow. So uh, now, now do you, do you have Do you write the solicits at Marvel or does someone else do them?
0: Marvel Marvel writes the solicits. Um, Occasionally you'll have an editor who asks you to weigh in. Um, Valiant has been asking me to write my version of a solicit and then they kind of rewrite and rework things, um, kind of taking off what I do. Okay. So I basically, I guess they just look to see what jokes and phrasings they okay. might want, and then they build it into something that could actually be used to <laughs> convince retailers to, to get the book.
1: Because, cause like at DCs, like the the writers don't even know who's writing the solicit. It seems like because uh, I, I when I I've talked to a, a couple of them, and you know sometimes we we'll go over to solicits and read it, and they're like, okay, okay, that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they, they I will said that
0: we'll say this. I will say I have had at Marvel solicits get written before we've written the issue and they didn't, they kind of went off of like what I like their memory of what I had said. And then I read it. I'm like, that is not, that is, that's either like not what happens in the book or there is um like a, that That happens on half of a page, and most of it is not about that at all yeah um, or
1: or sometimes a cover gets drawn like certain um, people or, or or creatures get drawn in a cover who don't yeah. appear inside the comic Yes, if you know what I'm talking about
0: yes <laughs> um, well wasn't that I mean that was just even i think publicly discussed in terms of uh, someone taking over on birds of prey and um the new writer said that the covers were already drawn. So they had to come up with a story based on the covers, <laughs> which is so amazing to me. Like, I know that's how comics worked in the sixties. Mm-hmm. You know, someone would be like, let's get a monkey with a machine gun, you know, like crashing a helicopter. All right. Right. That story. Um, but uh, I don't know, man, I just feel like we should be past that. Yeah. But I will say the. um, the relentless pace of monthly comics and at Marvel, you know, where they double ship several times a year, mm-hmm. um, that is just grueling. Like that is, I, uh, that's, I'm not surprised when all of a sudden we're soliciting a, an issue I haven't started writing yet. Yeah. Um, and that we like have an outline for, but it's, but it, 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 it makes me cringe. Cause I don't, I don't love finding myself in that position. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm certainly not blaming other people for it, but it's, it is, man, it's hard to stay on that train. And people who do like four Marvel books a month, which really means they're doing, you know, like 60 issues a year, mm-hmm. I, my hat is off to them because I, I can't, I can't process that.
1: <laughs> so speaking of Marvel. Yes. So uh, Gambit. Yes. So let's see, um, by the time this, podcast goes out so i believe 15 should be out
0: great so you will have seen the beginning of the end uh we are winding down with issue 17 which will be in september um and gambit running to 17 issues is i think about 15 issues more than most people thought the book would run Uh, (laughs) i've always had confidence at the very least that people would want a lot more clay man art. So they would keep showing up. Um, I also think a lot of people underestimate Gambit's fan base, man. There, there are people who love Gambit and like, don't really seem to have nearly as many feels for other characters. Um, And I'm just thrilled that those people have been really happy with the book. Uh, Generally, I'm just hearing from Gambit fans who have loved that he's, having fun and stealing things and seducing women all across the Marvel universe.
1: Did you see the, the, the female Gambit cosplayer?
0: Hells. Yes, I did. Um, So various people brought it to my attention. And, uh, I actually did at one point early on, I pitched so many Gambit stories. You have no idea how many different things I was uh, wanting to do with him. Um, uh, but one of them was that I wanted to have him get turned female for several issues <laughs> um, just so he could kind of experience uh, the, the other side of the coin being such a womanizer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that did not get the green light for any number of reasons. But I still feel like uh, I thought that would have been fun. And seeing it, I, I was really convinced Lady Gambit is still just as sexy as male Gambit.
1: Yeah, because so that was in Chicago, where, where I saw her.
0: Damn it! I knew I should have gone to C2E2. Yeah,
1: because um, cause I I you know I was taking some some cosplay pics and and I I just like Instagrammed that that picture because I was like, wow, this <laughs> is a, a great costume and it it, it, it kind of amazingly
0: made. It was amazingly amazingly
1: made. Yeah. So um, and then um, s- someone else. Another writer I forgot who like like knew who she was, so she um and sent me a link to her, like her facebook page and and she she does a lot of different costumes and and that's that's the great thing about these cosplayers they're just like so dedicated and and you know just
0: I, if there are any cosplayers listening, I just want to thank you for all of the work and time and passion you put into cosplaying because literally that is at least 50% of why I enjoy going to conventions is to see the work and imagination and skill and, and just joy to see the joy that those people have. Um, I think it always reminds me how lucky I am to work in comics. This is, this is an industry where the people on the other side of the equation um, are so passionate and they have such joy that it it really is. um, It's inspiring. Every time I sit back down to work, uh, you know, sometimes you're in a bad mood or a bad headspace, or deadlines are frustrating. If I can just inject myself with some of the passion that fans have, and uh, which I often have, but you know, when it's your job, sometimes you s- slide into a bad headspace. Um, it it's incredibly um, fulfilling and heartening. So yeah. I I thank cosplayers.
1: Now I, sh- I should ask them because um, we we're, we're um, Comic Vine is friends with the cosplayer Eddie who, um, who usually, he's always at San Diego and, right. and he's, you know, he makes his own costumes and, you know, he, he goes all out. Um, and he, he wanted to make me a costume and I came really close to to having a costume for San Diego. I mean, I, I was going to do it. You know, I, I've never, I've never dressed up before aside for like Halloween. I, I dressed as as the Riddler last Halloween. Nice, nice. That's, that's That's an easy costume. Um, but so I, you know, I, I've never done it, and and I was going to do it, but then I'm thinking, it's like, is, is there like some some like faux pas? Like if if you don't make your costume, you're not a tr- like a true cosplayer, because um, they're dead. Like you said, they're dedicated; they go all out, and it, it's impressive as hell.
0: I mean, I will say, I think you are in uh, a nice position where, um, you you have enough of an identity. Uh, In the uh, comic fandom that I think, uh, you know, you you people would be happy to see you cosplaying. You know, what I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, you're running a whole site. No one expects that you have the extra hours to. uh,
1: (laughs) And and I I would be totally straight up saying, hey, I did not do this. I don't. Have this kind of expertise. Yeah, just
0: just put a little patch like sewn onto the side that gives credit to him, and then and uh, that would do it for you. Yeah. So, uh, um, I often entertain the thought of like if I'm ever, uh, like if I if I become more of a, a an established quantity in comics as a creator, I would love to then actually do a con in cosplay. Um, like just go full on nightcrawler for like a whole weekend. Um, <clears throat> I feel like it's a little awkward if I have to sit up on a panel <laughs> uh, right now and someone in the audience has never heard of me before, and they and I have to get them to take me seriously as a writer. Um, but you know, hopefully, if I ever get to that kind of like ridiculous, screw all y'all, Kirkman place, <laughs> then I would totally do it. I would get into <clears throat> just dress up however the hell I want.
1: I mean, and that's the other thing. It's like, you know, if you, if you, depending on the costume, you could dress up and no one would know who you are. So it's like your way to, you know, walk around the floor incognito. Well, that's definitely
0: true. Um, but I, I feel like, I feel like it would be, I would want to do it in a way that people can appreciate like, oh, that guy doing this for a living is still a big enough fanboy that he'll, <laughs> you know, Build a full character costume and spend the weekend in blue face paint.
1: Yeah, so so I I may do it for New York. Uh, nice, out ba- ba- there. Basically, so yeah. the the reason I did it is um, so Eddie he he's like he's like I need your measurements, you know, I because to, to make everything, you know, he <laughs>
0: and he, that's what you booked.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was just a matter of I never got around to it, you know, actually yeah. measuring everything. So um, and then then when it got to the point, I'm like. There's no way. It's like I dropped the ball, didn't I? It's like there's no way this is going to happen, and which is kind of good because San Diego is just going to be so crazy that because um, you know it, when you do it, you know obviously when you when you dress up, you know that you're you're doing it for the other people, you know because right. people are going to want want either take your picture, get your picture with you, <coughs> so it's like you know That's if, if,
0: you will not make it across the floor in any reasonable speed
1: unless your costume sucks.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. If if I made my own costume, people were like, "What's that?" Yeah. <laughs> so so it's probably better that I'm not dressing up because I thought about it. If I do it, it's like you know, it's probably Sunday would be good. But I I do a lot of stuff on Sunday okay. as well. You dress up as? I haven't said. I, I I can tell you when we're not recording. Oh okay. But I, I just just in case it, it changed. <laughs> Actually, originally at one point,
0: you could do a good Doctor Strange. I bet.
1: Yeah, maybe. I guess I'm I get, I'm getting the greater so. <laughs>
0: oh well, I was even thinking you can add it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, originally, I, I was thinking it's like I want to do Phantom X. I was oh, like
0: okay. I was like
1: no one dresses as him, but then it was actually I think it, I don't know if it was maybe it was New York last year. I saw someone dressed up. I don't know if it's, I don't think it was Chicago this year.
0: So well, hey like, man, you really want to break new ground? You go as Lady Phantom X.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> and. uh. No, there, there's going to be so. I bet you there's it's it's done. I mean, since Guys saying,
0: Lady Phantom X. Oh, so you know,
1: I was I was thinking you should do Lady Gambit. You know, you were oh, talking about
0: man. Oh man, if that if her outfit fits me and she's willing to part with it, I will absolutely wear <laughs> go as Lady Gambit.
1: But she even had like the contacts <laughs> and everything. I mean, yeah.
0: oh, that I don't know if I could do that. I will say that's the that's maybe the deal breaker on Gambit for me is uh. I would be, I've, I've never put I've, – I've, I have 20-20 vision, so I've never even worn regular contacts. But the idea of those like covering your whole eyeball contacts, that just – that frightens me. Yeah.
1: Then how, how are you going to do Nightcrawler? You're right. You're right. You're going to have to start practicing. Oh, God damn it. And then, then you're going to be like, I, my career can't, can't – I can't get to that <laughs> level yet. I can't be Robert Kirkman yet because I'm, I'm not <laughs> ready –
0: you know what, guys? That's the only reason I'm not there yet. It's my own refusal.
1: You're, you're, you're practicing.
0: With wearing full eye contacts.
1: It's like, like uh, um, you know, maybe may, maybe next month. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll write that big epic.
0: Yeah, that'll that'll be when I let them turn end times into a television show.
1: <laughs> um. Anyways, going back to Gambit, or we're yeah. kind of on Gambit. So to solicit for fifteen. Yes. It says Gambit is once again. The premier yes. thief in a Marvel universe. Yes. But when you're at the top, there's nowhere to go but down. Yeah. And a rival thief is hot on his heels. <laughs> that was kind of weird how like the, the question was. <laughs> well, again,
0: and again, I don't write the solicit.
1: That that kind of threw me off a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really funny. So is
1: is that, that um, accurate?
0: That's accurate. That's accurate. I think the I think the um I think the solicit for six says something about finding out a lot about Fence.
1: Yeah, 16 is, Who is Gambit's friend Fence? How did they meet? And what secrets is he hiding? To yeah. save those dear to him, Gambit must attempt the impossible, and he'll need all his thieving skills to succeed. The past is gone, but not forgotten in this explosive and ultimate issue.
0: Um, yeah, that's not... The most accurate description <laughs> of Gambit 16. Um, I think some of, you know, some of the bigger plot stuff is, um, but the, uh, some of the stuff we were talking about with Fence there and ultimately um, changed once some other aspects of the story were changed. Okay, um, so I think that that might even be the thing I was thinking of when I said, I've read some solicits where I was like, well, it's not really what the book is anymore
1: um, and the solicit for seventeen's not out yet
0: okay. I don't know no it, maybe seventeen oh yeah. no it it must have
1: yeah, it should be because sixteen is listed wait because
0: we're soliciting because I'm seeing October
1: solicits, yeah. uh, solicits for other. For Marvel, so because 16 is supposed to be August 28th. Um, and I'm just like looking online, and this one site oh, this is marvel.com. Even that's weird, they don't have
0: 17 yeah. postponed indefinitely because Arun couldn't bear to part with the series.
1: Yeah, he's like, so 17, <laughs> you know, just- <laughs> the, the funny thing is that that's kind of um how I am about a lot of things like when, when Futurama and I I think I've told the story before on on the other podcast, when Futurama was first canceled, um, I actually, I, I, I didn't see, I didn't watch it as they aired because, um, here in California, I I think they, they, it was on at like six o'clock, which was like crazy on Sunday. And it kept getting like preempted with, with like when the giants were playing or something like that. Right. And, um, so there was a lot of episodes I missed. So I'm like, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I was like trying to record some, I I think it was before the DVRs even. And then, so I finally got the the box on DVD and I was watching them, but I was like, I don't want to watch all of these because once I watch them all, there's, it's done. Yeah. So as long as I had, you know, like one or two or three, whatever, it's like, there's still a new episode out there that I haven't (laughs) seen. So, so maybe that's what Marvel's going to do with, with 17. (laughs) yeah it's 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 not over yet it's like you haven't read there's still a new issue (laughs) oh man i would love that
0: i i will say once once i knew we were ending at 17 i was not rushing for this stuff to double ship i was like can we just go back to one a month then like if we know it's 17 whenever it's released like it's i would much rather kind of like piece it out a little bit more rather than just like slam through it. It's like when Fox is canceling shows, but they already have episodes and all of a sudden they just air like three of them in one night. That's, that's such a, that's such a heartbreak, man. If yeah. you're a fan, you still want it to kind of, uh,
1: you know, it's you, like,
0: you want to be able to come back and have it next month.
1: Yeah It's like, here it is. It's like, whatever, <laughs> take it.
0: <laughs> that is exactly the noise Fox makes when they do that in one night.
1: <laughs> yeah so but we see we didn't hear that from marvel there's there's no so no. but yeah i i i just I, i'm doing a search and
0: literally so, can't find the september solicits i mean i'm no. not
1: looking that carefully but i i typed in gambit 17 asmus and you know it, it's
0: you're just finding all the barely you know the the not legal fans well there's um serious.
1: there's there's an announcement is canceled from x-men the fanfic series oh gosh which, have you? Have you? I have,
0: not, I have not dipped my toe into the fan fiction waters. I realize with Gambit, there's probably a lot out
1: there. Um, I've I've never heard of site, but I mean, they have announcement, and then they have like a copy your tweet about you know. Okay,
0: I started typing Gambit seventeen, and literally the second option is Gambit Rogue NC seventeen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know that, that that's based on your your previous search history.
0: No, it is not. I never use the term NC-17.
1: It's like, he searched this before.
0: I want porn. I'm not looking under the term (laughs) NC-17. That's
1: right. Nightcrawler and Wolverine (laughs) NC-17. That's
0: just because otherwise the bathroom scene would filter out most of the Wolverine Nightcrawler results.
1: Yeah. So I, yeah, I I don't see. um,
0: Guys, it's just a mystery. You know, that's, it's, it's a big old, it's a big old mystery.
1: Maybe it's, it's going to be announced at San Diego, or maybe it was announced at San Diego that surprise, it's not canceled. Oh, if
0: it's not canceled I'm not the person writing it, I'll tell you that. Unless
1: they're going to say, Hey, Hey James, by the way, we need you to write like three issues by next week.
0: (laughs) I think, I think you're confusing publishers and how they operate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, unless you're Bendis who, who, probably does write three, I don't, three issues. I mean,
0: that man, what the hell? How many How books was, is he you know, doing? Well, I mean, I think he's doing like four titles, Guardians, All-New X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, Ultimate Spider-Man. But he's also, you know, doing events. And most of those books, I the would two, say...
1: The X-Men I, are, I feel are like, twice. I feel like
0: three of them put out two issues a month.
1: It, in some sort of rotation. Un- Uncanny and All New definitely does. Guardians, I don't...
0: And then he occasionally does Powers and Tokyo and events or whatever. Like, I, I just think... And I know he actually does spend time with his family. So I don't... His brain just must be so much more... Like, he's, he's so in shape for writing comics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm someone who jogs and he's like a triathlete in terms of writing comics. He's just in shape for it. Yeah. I should ask him, like, how long does it take generally between when he sits down to write and when he's in the zone? Because for me, that can be, like, two hours.
1: Yeah, cause, I mean, because he wonders, like, you know, I I don't know if you do, like, if you have, like, like if you have a set hours, like, you know, you're in work Monday through Friday, you know, whatever, this time, or, you know, it's just whenever something tickles your fancy but
0: i found the i found the solicit for 17 and it's totally accurate
1: where, where are you at I'm, I'm on on page six of, of
0: <laughs> i had to do a i just did a search for marvel september solicitations
1: oh yeah one of those things
0: just the whole roundup anywho um did you say that there were fan questions
1: um, I mean, no, those are just like general, I mean, oh, those not, are general. Oh yeah. Not, well, not, no, that's what you're
0: saying. People on the site ask these. just, types. just
1: cause I, I never, and I, I, I always debate about it. It's like, I never pre-announced who the guest is. It's always like, it's going to be, um, like, oh, yeah. like a big, big surprise. And usually what I do is, um, I, I'll like, I'll Photoshop myself like in an image. Oh and, yes. And in I some, go
0: to your site, man. I go to the site. You I do,
1: know. which, um, yeah. I, I, I noticed that, that you, you edit some stuff. Yes, I do. Um, and I, I think I'm gonna like hook you up with, with to give you live edits. Nice. Because you know, I, I see. I, mean,
0: I mostly edit things that I actually know from working on, but occasionally I'm going and I'm looking at old issue. I use I use your site a lot to find um, where to find character previous character appearances mm-hmm. that I want to double check and reread or make sure I've seen everything before I write them. That's great. Um, and it's profoundly helpful for that. And there are times that I go through and I realize like someone really made an incomplete list of what characters appear in this. And I will throw down or I'll realize like it'll just say the writer and not the artist. And mm-hmm. like, if, I, if I can, I'll put in the other creators. Yeah,
1: that that that, that bothers me too. In the beginning, I used to do that like all the time. Like Wednesdays, the comics come out. I'd be like adding them in. And yeah. uh, it's like it's like Simpsons comics. It's like, yeah. oh, there's so many characters in there. It's like, I'm adding them all to the database. And, you know, and but it's like, I don't have the time for that. But, but yeah, there are times where you see something. It's like, there's nothing there or what now, really. What now we-
0: flip side, I'm going to air a beef with whoever uh-huh. does some of the edits on your site, which is. There's some people who I think are just fishing for points. Mm-hmm. Put in characters, and I like track down an issue, and I get it, and then they're just like standing in the background of a crowd scene on Utopia, and wow. I have to shake my fist at the sky. I'm like, that's not a real appearance.
1: Technically, it kind of. I mean, we kind of consider it an appearance. They're there.
0: I know. I know it. Ta- I know you're not going to remove it or whatever. But I'm saying, for my purposes. <laughs> Of trying to use the site to make sure I'm getting my continuity down for everyone in character. But they were both. there.
1: They're in the background.
0: They, they are there, the, but the, the, I didn't necessarily need to know that they witnessed that conversation to write their next.
1: But us see, because where, where it gets tricky is like, what if it's a flashback? It's like, right? you, you still got to include it. Right. Even though they're not really there. It's like Don't it,
0: it, spoil the reveal by right now citing where that just... Was the issue, and I like bought something online to get it to be ready to write this thing, a character for the end of Gambit, <clears throat> and I got the issue. I'm like, this is a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> that was, by the way, the weirdest I've ever heard my own voice.
1: So, <laughs> when, make- you can make it your your ringtone now. You know, <laughs> download the podcast. Um, but the other thing is, is like if if it's like a picture of someone, like if someone's holding a photograph. Yeah, that's. I don't, I that's- don't know about that. I don't that shouldn't count. Like like if um if, if Bruce Wayne's in a mansion, there's a the portrait of, of Thomas and Martha. Yeah. At, that doesn't count as an appearance.
0: No, I, I concur. I concur.
1: And I hopefully people agree with it. But what, what's, what sometimes what people will do is, you know, and it is about the points where like when when um, we we don't let them upload the image like issues like before like the beginning of the week. Right. And, and, you know, it has to be like the official cover. It has to have like the UPC. You know, like you can't take like Gambit 17 can't be added to the database because the official cover is not released. You know, it doesn't have the logo. It doesn't have the UPC. Right, but, right. But what some people will do is like on Monday or Tuesday or even Wednesday, they'll add it and they'll just look at the cover. Uh-huh. So so it'll see all these people on there. And it's like they're not not in the issue. Like if, if it's like an anniversary issue, <laughs> like Gambit and all his girlfriends, and then it's like, you know, it's only Mr. Sinister inside. And it's like, wait, so that bothers me when people will do that, when they'll add all the characters on the cover. It's like, you didn't even read this issue. Yeah. And I just, I start shaking my fingers at them. And (laughs) there's been some times where I'll send them a, you know, private message. I was like, you gotta, you can't do that. That's not right. (laughs) All right.
0: So I I appreciate the, um, the pride you take in your database because it's a, it's an important tool for me.
1: I do. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I mean, I am fully dedicated to the site uh, Cause you know, it was me, my brother-in-law and our buddy, we, we started in, in, um, the site launched December, 2006 and it, it was like right around October that year. Cause you know, they were doing all the coding stuff for the site and then I was doing all the content. So I yeah. was, I was writing like mini bios and, you know, s- grabbing every single image I could find on, on Google for, and I, I think it did like maybe like 200 like heroes and villains. And I, I started off where it's like, I wanted to write like the whole history <laughs> and and then, and then you know like, got to the point where I was like no you know, you, you got to make it because like one we got to leave stuff for you know other people the you know the community to add to it, and it 's like two it's like we we need w- more with less instead of less with more yeah yeah and and you know so that that was a hard thing for me, and you know so even though now comic Vine is owned by c b s it 's like you know i I still feel that attachment and and <laughs> it is pride it's like you know I, so I want to make sure. things are are going, you know, the way you're supposed to. All right. So issue 17. Yes. Gambit's latest solo series reaches this climatic conclusion. Torn between his separate lives, mutant hero, master thief. Gambit is forced to make a choice between the two with major consequences for what comes next. Yeah. But he better make his choice fast because he's trapped At the center of a deadly supervillain riot, and a few of them may have scores to settle with Gambit himself. How accurate yeah, is
0: that? That's totally that's totally accurate. All right,
1: so 16's not, but 16 is not,
0: but you still end up in the right place. So who knows?
1: Now, when you're writing, um, the how how often did you like talk with like Marjorie? You know, since Gambit is often in Astonishing X Men.
0: You know, we talked um, we talked a bit up front. And uh, there were definitely a few things I've checked in with her about intermittently. Um, for the most part, uh, I'm able to ask my editors... Uh, basically, once uh, Daniel's, um, Daniel Ketchum took over editing Astonishing, which was around issue 50, um, once we got to that point, he was editing both books. So he's able to tell me, like... What's set in stone and what they're talking about, you know, and, and sort of vice versa. Um, uh, but it was wonderful just to have an excuse to talk to her in front. <laughs> That's
1: what I was gonna say. You're probably like, "Hey, how you doing?" I was like, "No, I, I finished this already." Just yeah, yeah she's she's <laughs> so cool. I was like, yeah. she is
0: super cool. Uh, I love her books, uh, her comics. I will say, I have not read her um, her paranormal romance adventure
1: novels. I, I did. Um, I, I did read one of them. Um, oh, what was it called? I, I feel because I had her on on a podcast and and you know, we we talked about it and um you know I, I mentioned you know I was like I was like I never read it I think it's the Iron Hunt, um which was an interesting book is like this female she had like these demons were kind of like tattoos and you know oh. they they like lived on her body and and you know so it kind of made her like invulnerable while you yeah. it, it was kind of like an like an armor and. Oh, exactly. And and there was like um, you know, kind of like 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 not 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 necessarily like full on zombies, but like these these others like this race of people that you know they weren't really obvious. I mean, so it was actually an interesting book, and and I I don't know if I ever talked about that on the podcast like afterwards. But, so anyways, but yeah, she's 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 super cool and she's super nice and yeah. and doing cool things. So, so yeah, you'd be like just calling her all the time. <laughs> so um with with gambit unfortunately ending,
0: yeah, everything must end eventually sir
1: yeah okay and and this is the point where maybe you like i can 't answer that, or I mean, is there anything else at Marvel, or is it
0: uh, I am uh having to step back from Marvel briefly, uh, hopefully briefly i would I would love to do more things there, but i had otherwise filled up my plate with a bunch of other stuff in the interim. Um, like I've been writing a TV show that's in development. Um, we just were most of the way through writing the first season, um, for a production company out here. Uh, I've been starting to work on a video game, a mobile video game that I, have found out, I can't yet talk about, uh, even, even though it will have been announced by the time this podcast drops, um, they're, they're just a bit skittish, but look for an announcement at the San Diego Marvel games panel for a mobile game and know that I'm associated with it unless there's multiple ones. And then ask me on Twitter and I'll tell you, um, but, um, yeah, so I'm doing those quantum and Woody's ongoing, um, we'll be, gearing up, I'm leaving space to jump back into thief of thieves soon. Uh, and then I'm developing some other concepts I want to do as creator on books right now. Um, and once I shore up a couple of those things, then I'll go back and knock on Marvel's door and see if, uh, I can get back in the swing of things. That's cool. I love Marvel, man. That's, that's what I grew up with. And especially X-Men that's, that those characters just mean more to me than any other um, kind of, you know, existing character stuff. Um, <clears throat> so as, as much as I can, I'll try and find some other way back in there. I definitely have a pitch that I want, that I would love to set up as a team book. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
1: Um, okay, here's a question. Yes. Um, do you think... Gambit would have um, done differently, or been been perceived differently, if if it launched during, you know, as part of the Marvel Now stuff.
0: Yes, yeah, I think it's um, now. uh, That's a qualified yes. Um, I can tell you, our, you know, every book, um, your number one to your number two generally drops, um, but. Once we dropped to two, we really didn't drop three, four, like they were real minor. They were surprisingly minor drops. Um, and we were actually real stable in the mid to high 30,000s, um, which was way better than Marvel was expecting. Um, and, uh, but literally then when Marvel suddenly unleashed all these new number ones for Marvel Now, um, that was when we really dropped. And, um, you know, uh, I think part of it is just that buy-in and there being this big wave of like, uh, and I saw people sort of say it online where they were like, well, there's all these new books I want to try. So I guess I'll switch to buying gambit and trades maybe, you know? And unfortunately, once people push things off to buying it in trades, number one, it actually doesn't help your long-term stability Mm -hmm. uh, as a book because, for example, Trade 2 just came out (laughs) this Wednesday, Mm -hmm. and we're already... You know, we already announced that the series Mm -hmm. is ending. Um, uh, So, like, there's they're not going to suddenly reverse it if sales over the next couple weeks are real strong, you know? Um, But... uh, and, And I should also say, the way the market is, like, comic shops order they anticipate what you want and they only have so much money. So like when Marvel's doing a ton of now launches, they have to comic shops have to free up the money they have to spend to buy those issues. So, um, and they have to buy way more of them because they're all number ones. So you just don't know. Uh, so unfortunately I, around that time I was hearing from people who were like, I went to my comic shop and they just didn't order as as many this time. So like there weren't issues there for me to buy and we have to figure out if there's some other way I can get it. And that's the real bummer. Um, the, I mean the business model for comics isn't, it's, it's at a point where it's not really friendly to long running series. Um, when other people keep relaunching new number ones, um, but the flip side is, uh, you know, when, when we started the series, they were like, we think it'll probably go eight or 12 issues, but consider an ongoing just in case. And um, so truthfully, we did go well beyond what they were expecting, uh, which I feel really good about. And, um, and I don't think I could have stayed on the book like for five more years you know what I mean? Uh, so, so I don't really bemoan how it played out. I do think there were opportunities where it could have um, probably gotten a little bit more attention or more people would have given it a chance. Um, certainly, I saw more people say, like, I'm just going to try all the Now books than I did hear say, like, I'm going to try all five books that were released in the six months before Now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which, like... Captain Marvel, us Hawkeye um, e- extreme x men and Age of apocalypse. Mm-hmm. those are five <clears throat> and you know we we outlived two of them, <laughs> and uh, we're we're selling we're we're, com- we're competitively selling with Captain Marvel, which is also a book I love yeah. I should say. Um, <clears throat> and Hawkeye is one of the best single best. Maybe the best mainstream comic to come out since Daredevil, but certainly one of the best comics in the last couple of years. Um, it's been a struggle when that book was released the week before us, not to, in my mind, compare them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's just phenomenal. So I will say, you know, there's there's weird things like that, which was that came out the week before us. And so we were still like, subsumed under the waves of subsequent buzz for that book you know like there there kind of wasn't room for people to talk about a marvel solo title that wasn't that book for three weeks and we we happened to draft in right under it um so i don't know there's you just never know it's the weirdest thing Mm -hmm. um but i all i can say is i feel good about the book itself and i feel good about our run relative to what anyone expected the character could get. Um, and I'm really mostly happy that the Gambit fans were really happy with
1: what the book was. Yeah. Cause I, I have to, I mean, I, I really love Gambit. I mean, I don't see how anyone could not like Gambit. I mean,
0: it's the weirdest thing to me that some people really don't, that some people are like, Oh, I hate that guy.
1: It's because he betrayed X-Men. You know, he, he brought Mr. Sinister in to the, you I know.
0: actually think it has more so to do with, I generally hear it from guys who I think are threatened by how cool and sexy he is.
1: Maybe, yeah.
0: Maybe they feel threatened by how attractive they are. How attractive they are to him. Yeah. I don't know. I'm
1: just saying. It, it could be. <laughs> um, now you just made me uh, lose my my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> oh, the 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 pre there there the one there was a, another Gambit series. I think there was a couple other ones before. I don't. I forget. But there, there was there,
0: like a mini series and two ongoings.
1: The one of the ongoings. Where there was like an alternate Gambit and he was like this, had these sun powers.
0: Yep. I was yep. like,
1: I, and I don't remember who wrote that. I, I should probably look it up. before. It was I,
0: either, I, I don't know how to say his name, but Nicesa?
1: Oh yeah, Fabian. It was, I, it
0: was either him or Scott Lodell. Um, <laughs> because whatever it was, whoever wrote it, the other one like wrote some transition issue from that into Gambit and Bishop as a series. And there wrote that. Okay. So as much as I often confuse the careers of the two of them, they both sort of, there was a handoff between them it.
1: Because okay, that, that series, it's like, when that stuff at the end, I was just like, what is going on? Yeah, and you know, so that's an
0: interesting, like, well, I could go on for a whole other hour about, the choices behind how you choose to do a solo series when you can't really, when the character is tied up in a larger mythology elsewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. like I sort of couldn't go and tell stories that require you to have read X-Men comics from like 15 years ago, because you kind of, they don't want you to make the assumption that someone's read a different title. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Many years ago, you know, I could maybe do a tie in to something that's happening right now because someone could go grab it. Or if you're writing an X Men book, you can tie into an X Men story from 10 years ago, but it's a little awkward to do it when it's a different title. Um, <clears throat> so that approach was certainly an interesting one where he just made up this mythic storyline that runs 24 issues about a mysterious person who ends up being Gambit from an alternate dimension who destroyed his universe and becomes the sun or something like that. Mm -hmm. And in the end, it just resets things to exactly what they were to begin with. Um, There's a lot of really fun issues in that one. And it was funny to me when I started brainstorming concepts for this series, Um, some of the first couple ideas I had, I went and I then looked at that Gambit series and the 12 issue one by, um, Jonathan Lehman of Chew fame. Mm -hmm. And there were a number of initial, like very gambit, like traditional gambit centric ideas that it turns out they had basically done those, Um, which, you know, it's because it spins out of what you fundamentally think about with this character. Um, And so then once I realized that that really led to the conversation I had with editor Daniel Ketchum about saying like, well, let's just not keep going back to the same places his previous solo outings have, let's just build him out into the larger Marvel universe. Um, And so that was our approach, Uh, you know, and sometimes it was easier to do than others. It's really difficult to coordinate with other offices about characters it's basically like trying to jump between moving trains, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> their office is like continually deciding new storylines and cooking up new things and we'll get a piece of information and then I'll go and I'll try and break a story and Daniel will weigh in on it. And by the time we've settled on something we like, we come back and we're like, how about this? And then they go, no, 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 no. You things have changed. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll give you some behind the scenes, how the sausage is made and tell you, um, our issue thirteen has um, Iron Patriot on the cover, and inside it's War Machine, mm-hmm. and it's because in the solicits for Secret Avengers they were toying with the idea that Rhodey is Iron Patriot, and if you, it's now been revealed in the books he is and he isn't um, in in a complex way. I won't go into. We literally did not like they approved roadie and the idea of war machine. And we went and made the book and somehow between initially getting the approval and literally two days before it went to print, <clears throat> we found out that we can't really do what we were doing. Mm. So they had to go and recolor him throughout the whole book <laughs> so that, and, and rewrite like two lines of dialogue, like last minute. Um, Just so that it was okay, but we couldn't change the cover, so that is, you know, that's like I say, it's two jumping between two moving trains Mm -hmm. um, is a bit of what monthly comics are, you know, because we're we're having to plan ahead of ourselves, but then other choices are being made, and it's really exciting, and it's still a lot of fun, but sometimes it's it's sometimes that you can pull your hair out a little.
1: Uh, okay, so what do you want to tell us about Thief of Thieves? <clears throat> uh,
0: so Thief of Thieves is um, r- it's going through Andy Diggle's arc right now. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is a book through Skybound, uh, Robert Kirkman's company at Image. Uh, created by Robert Kirkman, uh, he co-plots the whole thing. The approach is like a TV writer's room, which means a bunch of us writers get together and we break – the overarching story um, And then we kind of split off And we each write separate arcs So the first arc was writ- Scripted by Nick Spencer I wrote the second one uh, Andy Diggle's writing the third um, Kirkman has his eye On a story, part of the story That he wants to come in and actually script himself um, I hope the space is aligned in his schedule For that to happen uh, Because it is Um <clears throat> the current story that Andy's doing really pays off the, the quote unquote big heist that we've been teasing throughout all, you know, the first 13 issues of the series. And Andy is a heist master. I mean, he did the losers. Um, he's written any number of other crime books and kind of, uh, crimified a bunch of superhero books. Um, this is his wheelhouse and he's writing great, great stuff. And the ending of his is crazy. <clears throat> <clears throat> And then, um, basically the fourth arc as it stands right now is going to be some all out action. Um, <clears throat> whereas the, the books so far have been kind of, uh, each of us have had our kind of, they they each function like heist movies. So you get a lot of buildup and planning plans going sideways and, and some hopefully surprising and exciting results. <clears throat> uh, the fourth the fourth arc as it stands right now is going to be a lot more, uh, nonstop action and kind of constant twists and turns. Um, so that's super exciting and will hopefully lead us up to issue 25, which is going to be a big, 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 uh, shift and exciting climax for the book. Um, it's been a thrill to work on. It really is. I, I, I always say to people like, the pitch for walking dead being, you know, think about a zombie movie now picture the people who have to live in it day and day out. Um, it's a very different story as an ongoing rather than how do you deal with it for two hours? Mm-hmm. Uh, thief of thieves is that same thing, but for the characters you find living in heist movies and crime movies, <clears throat> pardon me. <clears throat> um, so anyway, that, that's the story. And I, I think it's great. Um, grown up comic books with some sweet violence and swearing and clever crime moves. And, um, uh, I love the hell out of it. So I hope people are checking it out. I think it reads great in trade form. Uh, the first two collections are out now. Um, and you might be able to find on eBay, some of the limited edition San Diego hardcovers. Um, but yeah, uh, so we, right now we're, planning we're looking for a time to get back into the writer's room to plot where we go from there and
1: uh I hope all of you will check it out and then that um it's it's supposedly like TV show in the works
0: oh yeah yeah. um almost like uh real real soon after the book launched uh uh AMC announced that they're optioning it. And since then, in the year and a half or whatever, um, Kirkman was developing the plot for the pilot and went through that very long process with the network. Um, wrote a script, did a rewrite on the script. <clears throat> uh, my understanding is they that he just recently turned in what should hopefully be a revision on the script that they either jump on or uh, I don't know the nuance of the business. If they, if they ultimately don't go for it, if he's free to shop it around elsewhere or what Um, I think it's uh, you know, we weren't told to write it so that it translates to a TV show, but I absolutely see how you could live in this world and, and create it for television. Um, I think it would be an amazing show. I think AMC would be a great place to do it. It would certainly fit well into the space being vacated by uh, Mad or by uh, Breaking Bad. Um, so hopefully they they get it together and make the show. Man, it would be amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, that's the, that that uh those wheels are still turning. That's my understanding. What else you got? <laughs> um. <clears throat> Uh, what my, the fact that I'm working on a TV show, two comics and a video game. I mean, how
1: much, (laughs) what what can you say about the TV show?
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) um, the TV show is, uh, man, I don't know that I can talk about
1: it. All right. I mean, yeah, I don't, I mean,
0: it's, it's been surprising and exciting and it's, um, it's kind of a real world approach to, um, horror folklore um, it's something that's actually a pretty unique mythology, um, that hasn't been explored in other stuff.
1: So um, this hasn't been announced yet?
0: <clears throat> no, it has not. And in fact, the, uh, this is the hilariousness of time. Um, by the time, between when we're talking and when this airs, we will find out if it's being picked up by the network or not.
1: Okay. Cause you mentioned you're writing. Yes. Or- this the,
0: yeah, this is so this is the funny thing. Um, the network, uh, like the pitch, paid for us to make not a full pilot, but like um, 20 minutes of footage for an hour-long show. Uh, but if they pick it up, which we will find out right before San Diego, I think like that Thursday or Friday of the con, we'll find out if the network is picking it up. And I don't even think I could say the network, but it's a major cable network. Um, if they pick it up, we are supposed to start production six weeks later. Wow. So we have had to write the show under the assumption it's going to happen. Um, and if they don't buy it, then I think, I believe we have the ability to go pitch it around to other networks. And there's a couple of places that we're interested. So hopefully you'll see it eventually because it's, it would not cost a lot to produce, but I think it's a really compelling show. Um, Uh, And it's been a really great experience. Um, I can also, uh, I will work in a plug that uh, end times of Bram and Ben, which was the mini series, uh, my first creator own I did earlier this year with image that's going to get collected towards the end of the year, I think for October or November. Um, And our artist Rembrew is up for the Russ Manning outstanding new artist award um, that'll at the Eisner's. So Again, between now and then, he will have either won it or have been a total loser <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, and um oh,
0: and I'll just say if people are digging Quantum and Woody, you should go pick up end times, either if they've got back issues at your shop or if you want to get it on comicsology or or order the trade um it's It's a a an absolutely off the wall buddy comedy. Um, so if you dig quantum and woody, that's, that's a good one to go check out.
1: Okay. All right. Um, I think I'm going to let you get to work. Great. I'm actually
0: probably going to go take care of my baby for a little bit right now. Oh, that's the other reason I'm taking a little bit of time off from Marvel. I have to spend a little bit of time with my newborn.
1: (laughs) Yeah. it's, It's kind of a good thing to do.
0: He's six weeks old and I was, uh, he has not seen nearly enough of me.
1: Yeah, I, I, I get that sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, so congrats on that. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I mean it, it's 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 a great thing. You know, a lot of people I mean there's or not a lot, but there's some people like, like I don't want kids, I can't stand kids and it's like it, it, it does change you. I mean it's Yeah. It changes the way you look at everything.
0: Yeah. Um so buy Conner and woody or my baby will starve to death. <laughs> Oh, he's in here and he's crying now. So he knows how true that that threat is.
1: He, he's, he's milking it. It's like,
0: <laughs> buy my daddy's books.
1: <laughs> All right, James. Hopefully we we ran into each other at San Diego. Yeah. So, or we did, right? We, we had a great time.
0: Yeah, it was amazing, man. And that cosplay was awesome. Yeah, but. You, I, yeah, I understand why you didn't want to tell people it was Cheetara, but you really pulled it off.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe I'll, I'll save save those pictures for another time. <laughs> make it make it premium content if people want to <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah people check out just anything with his name buy it
0: <laughs> thank you
1: <laughs> all right i'll talk to you soon sounds good man all right oh wait so um i i so greg katzman one one of our my writers Yes, um, he, he he has some questions that he he asks. So we actually do have questions for you, specifically for you. Okay. <laughs> so um, he wants to know if you had more time with Gambit, what would you have liked to have done with the character?
0: Um. Well, time and complete control are not the same thing. Um. So there there were definitely some stories I wanted to do that I either couldn't do. Um, because of other stuff that was happening in the universe or just uh, what they wanted this scope of the book to be. Um, I was slowly making the case to push for um, finding out who Gambit's real parents are. And that was something I was trying to get in from the beginning and they were resistant. Um but that would I – was, I was gradually making the case and if it kept going, I think we would have gotten there. Um, but since I'm not writing it, I don't want to say where I wanted to go with it because um, uh, it, it should just go wherever whoever does write that story or yeah. if I get to tell it later in some other form. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to do that. Uh, I would have liked to make him a woman for a couple issues and make him deal with that, uh, <laughs> uh, understand the other side. Um, I, you will, you'll actually sort of see at the end of the, I, one thing that would have been a big part of my second year. I don't want to say because it's kind of where the series ends up.
1: Okay.
0: And there is, I'm being told it's, like he's not going to do my story, but there is another writer who will be using gambit soon, who will be using that status quo. Um, so, but I, I don't want to give it away, but basically, um, uh, I would have built out a team of thieves by the end of, like after the first year of the book, if it kept going, I was going to basically turn him into having a heist crew one way or another. Uh, and there were a couple options for that. And, it, um, You know, I I really found the difficulty of... I I love writing dialogue and banter, and when he's a solo guy who has to be performing stealthy acts of thievery, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, there's not a lot of opportunity for, uh, you know, for just having other people around the whole time. Um, uh, And I really wanted to bring in a bunch of magic. I wanted to have a bunch of magic artifacts start being the MacGuffins and explore some of that crazy part of the Marvel Universe and some of those characters.
1: Okay. Uh, second question. Poof, Gambit is now in a Valiant universe. Who do you think he'd get along with, and who do you think his enemies are?
0: Oh, that's interesting. Well, um, Master Dark would obviously be a good enemy for him, um, and Shadow Man would be a great friend as you can center all that around new Orleans. I'm sure they would have a pass together. Um, and I think he would really love going out drinking and, uh, hitting on ladies with Armstrong from Archer and Armstrong. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I think he wouldn't get along with either quantum or Woody. Mm -hmm. I think, I think Eric, uh, as Quantum, is a little too uptight for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Woody is, Woody has no game. I think he would really, it's hard to go out drinking with a guy that's going to ruin all of your moves. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, if you had to convince more people to read Valiant in five words or less, what would you say? This is one of those questions where it's like,
0: Man, any anytime there's a count limit, I get I get really in my head. Um, consistently excellent.
1: Five words or less. That that could be it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> That's is, you, is
0: storytelling. One word. I was going to say contained, passionate
1: storytelling. Okay. Yeah, we, we can we can do that. Or yeah. if it's not one word, you can hyphenate it and make it a yeah, word. Um, and the last one. Um. It says since I'm sure many people aren't sure what Quantum and Woody is and potentially missed out on the first issue because of that, mm-hmm. why should they run to their shop right now to buy it? Which you already answered it to to help you teach well, a kid. I, I,
0: I would. I would. Uh, I would never say I am consistently excellent. But, you know, like I. Uh, uh, I have too much fear and self-deprecation to ever say something like that. But I think the Valiant Universe really does. Um, Tom Fowler, here's here, if you want a reason to get Quantum and Woody, Tom Fowler is absolutely one of the most underrated comic book artists. Um, His work is incredibly dynamic, fluid, emotional, funny. Um, uh, If nothing else, go pick it up because you're going to have – a new artist to love. Um, and, and if you, if you happen to have read Hulk season one or his issues of venom, um, then you already know how great he is and, and you should still get it for that reason.
1: Cause he's been on my radar for a while. Cause um, when I do the, the Saturday um, awesome art picks.
0: Oh yeah. He's in there a bunch.
1: He's in there. I, I mean, I, I, I basically, he doesn't have a blog or anything, but I, I check out his, his Twitter feed where sometimes he would post stuff, but it's it's like you know when when he's working on something else he doesn't really post the random sketches as much right but, right but, but there's yeah, been some um,
0: I just recently found he did do a Tumblr I think of his D and D and D Dungeons and Dragons and doodling and just the sheer imagination on that guy is insane and um you know we, uh, there's a lot of little aspects of Quantum and Woody and certainly in the villains that I actually kind of revised, like he started having all these great ideas for designs. And when he was doing designs, he would start creating backstories and other elements. So kind of reworked some of that to, to just harness his amazing inspired design work. Um, but I, his sequentials are incredible.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So check that out. Um, I will say this. Also, you should check out Quantum and Woody because um, I think it's actually a surprisingly textured book. It's not just slapstick. It's not just some sort of superhero melodrama. Um, so it there's it's a book that you probably have a misconception about. So check it out. And it's consistently getting four out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now, see, that, that way, it's, it's like, okay, now, you know, he, it's going to make you hunger, he make you reach for for that oh, extra.
0: It, well, you know, it's also, uh, uh, I would I would hate, I would actually hate to have ever been perceived as having a perfect first issue, because then I would really have anxiety about, like, oh, there's nowhere to, like the gambit 16 solicit or 15 solicit <laughs> says, there's nowhere to go but down.
1: Down? <laughs> all right thanks a lot james so yeah we'll definitely have to do this again
0: sure man it's it's always my pleasure and um you know uh feel free to i know this was a long chat so feel free to cut out anything you oh think. no
1: not at all i are you kidding i don't do any edits that, that makes <laughs> more work it's just like it's like nope oh, there you go it's raw it's real we keep it real here totes real <laughs> all right so we'll definitely talk again and um, we'll see what happens when issue two hits with that, whatever offensive.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Well, issue two, actually, uh, the beginning is like potentially offensive, but not even the thing I think is offensive or that they were worried about the the beginning of issue two. When I went to do lettering revisions the other day, I laughed and then I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they're letting me do this. <laughs> um, so that made me really happy.
1: Okay. So people need to look look for that.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. Thanks, James. It's
0: my pleasure, man.
1: All right, we'll talk soon. Let's take some questions from Twitter. So you can always ask questions on Twitter. Use the hashtag askgman. My Twitter uh handle is Gman from heck. So you can ask questions there. Or again, on the in the general discussion forums, there is an ask video questions thread. So you can Ask either place. Uh, we haven't had that many Twitter questions before, so uh, there are some. And Twitter is a little sporadic. I've, I've mentioned this before, where sometimes they, they seem to disappear and then other ones come back. And so I want to make sure we get to these questions. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, we've got a couple with similar topics, sort of. Uh, Gutridge B97. So this is Ben. He says, "Do you know whether the main Marvel universe is still 616? Logically it should have changed due to the time travel age of Ultron stuff. You know, I haven't heard anything. It's as far as I know and as from from what I, how I would do it if it were up to me. I would say it's it's still the same. Um it's it's always been in the 616 universe. And some things were changed, which is still a question about how that happened, but it, it didn't necessarily change the universe because that location is still there. It, it, it's not like it's still going somewhere else. The way time travel used to work is if, if a character in a Marvel universe traveled back in time, they would create an alternate universe. And, you know, there's an infinite number of universes, they're, they're creating a new timeline because they're they're changing things. So that means that you know they they can't travel in their own timeline. But their original timeline if if we you know take it as a 616, that still exists. They go back in time, 616 is still going on. They try going in the future, 616 is is still going on. So I don't believe that just because the events in Age of Ultron happen that that would eradicate the 616 universe. Now it's, it's possible to say that, well, the 616 universe, that's the age of Ultron world that is, has been decimated. You know, it sucks there. And somehow I don't know if it was ever really explained. I'm not sure if, if Bendis ever mentioned it, but somehow they were able to get around this little quirk and they were able to, to travel into their own timeline. So it appears that when Wolverine and Sue Storm, Sue Richards, I keep on in her Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman, when they went back in time, they were actually in a 616 universe. So then they talked to Hank Pym and then some things were changed which didn't seem to affect too much, didn't really change that much. So I would say we're still in the 616 universe. That they haven't created a new one or an alternate one. They didn't destroy the other one. They somehow were able to change it. And I, I I, would assume that's what they want to go just to make it easier. Logically, if you go based on a thinking from before, they should have probably created an, another one. I mean, you could make that argument where they, they did create a new timeline and the 616 universe is the one where Ultron destroyed everything. But I'm going to say it's still 616. Uh, a, on a similar topic, um, Johnny Joker zero zero says, "Can you explain what the six one six universe is and where the term came from?" I've heard you guys use a term many times. So six one six is is basically the Marvel universe, like the main universe. Um, kind of like how in DC, you know, you have the regular Earth and New Fifty Two Earth Prime, whatever you want to call it. Then you have Earth Two, which is an alternate world, alternate Earth. It's different. In Marvel, you know, we have the Ultimate Universe, which has its own designation, and you know, like all these "What If" comics, they're all they all represent different Earths, and you know, Age of Apocalypse is an, is another world. So, you know, there's a different number of them. As for where six one six came from, uh, there there's a, a little bit of a debate over that. A lot of people claim that it was Alan Moore back you know alan moore was was writing marvel comics and he was uh working on i, I believe it w- was captain britain it was, it was in a marvel uk line and he was working on that with alan davis and so you know a lot of people say to alan dave or that alan moore came up with that designation um alan davis he said that this other some other guy um i think it was dave thorpe that actually came up with with that designation that they just took it from from that. Um, and so to, the one-sided argument, you know, I, I think it was like Alan Moore. I, I read this recently somewhere. On, I don't know if it's on Wikipedia or somewhere online. But I, I I believe like Alan Moore's son or son-in-law or someone said that Alan Moore c- came up with a number and it was just totally random. It was just, just a random number. So there's no significance. But – with what uh, Alan Davis was saying that when Dave Thorpe came up with it, six one six, I guess some people uh, believe that that is actually the number of the beast, and it's not six six six. So you know, there's there's that discussion or there's that debate there, and so apparently Dave Thorpe wasn't really too keen on on, on superheroes, so that's why he came up with using 616 so there's there's no real real reason to it that's just a number that that they came about i remember there there was a point where some of the higher-ups at marvel they like they supposedly hated that reference like they refused to refer, refer to it the, as that like they wouldn't say it like in interviews or they would tell people like don't call it that don't refer to it the, as that but so that was like a rumor that i heard but and then you know i I don't know if they just came around or if they just said we, we can't get around this. This is just what it is. Because then I have seen some of these people like use it later or refer to it. So that's just what, what is accepted. So it's just the, the main Marvel Universe that we have. Uh, let's see. Josie, C. Mami says, D- you think DC will someday have something like Marvel Unlimited? and Why? So Marvel Unlimited, if you're not aware... Um, it's different from the Marvel app that you know you can get on your your iPhone or your iPad. Uh, Marvel Limited, which was a Marvel Digital Unlimited, you could subscribe to it, and I, I believe it's like like four or five bucks a month. I'm I'm actually subscribing to it, but it's just it rolls over, so I don't I don't even know what what it costs. I think it's like fifty dollars a year, or sixty dollars a year, fifty dollars a year, or something like that. Um, so you're basically paying like like four or five bucks a month, which is about the price of a comic if you think about it but then you have access to several thousands of issues digitally and i mean the the, the downside is they're not necessarily sequential like there there may be some some missing parts if you're you know trying to read a or a certain story arc or something like that but they they add comics all the time so there is there's a lot of comics there so basically it's it's a way for you to read all these old Marvel comics and, and some of them are, are, are fairly recent you know it's not like just like old old stuff, so it, it's a great way to you know again it's for like the price of one comic you can just get thousands of comics at, at your disposal disposal i don't like that. It used to be only on your computer, but they recently added an app, so you know as long as you're logged in then you have access and you can read them uh, on your your iPad or your iphone so it, it's a cool thing. It would be great if DC did that, you know, because DC has, you know, they, they've been making comics longer than Marvel. So many great old comics. I mean, if you know me, you know, I love the Silver Age and the Golden Age comics. So it'd be great to have them all on there. Uh, probably the way they're looking at it, though, is like if, you know, someone like me really wants these comics, why charge a monthly subscription when we could try to get them to buy it either on the DC app or on Comixology? Now, unfortunately, some of the old comics that I've been looking for, like Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane, they're not available on the DC app or Comicsology. Uh, the, the main thing is they they need to have copies of the original comics. They need to be scanned somehow, or you know, probably cleaned up, enhanced, and then however they program the the, the guided viewing, you know, on Comixology. So it, it it'd be nice if they did that. It's been so long. I don't know. That just doesn't seem like their focus. Uh, I mean, I guess it really comes down to is like how many people are, are subscribing to Marvel, and is that monthly fee worth it? And the good thing in, in from their side is people like me, I don't use it all the time. I don't use it you know every week or every, every month. I mean there may be times I, I kind of forget about it. So, people could be subscribing to it and not actually using it, but they're still subscribing. And then, you know, with your credit card, usually, you know, you have the automatic renewal. You'll get an email, I believe, that says, hey, we're going to, we're about to charge your credit card, just so you know. You know, if, if you want to cancel, you better get in there now. So, it seems like it'd be a, you know, a great thing because you're going to have a bunch of people that will just automatically subscribe to it. Some will use it, some won't. Um, it's, it's great for me. Like, if, you know, I, there's a certain comic. Yeah, you know, I want to look up like you know, Amazing Spider-Man, you know, thirty-nine or something like that. Then, if it's on there, I can read it without you know having to look at like a reprint that I may have, you know, Marvel Tales or something like that. So, hopefully, I, I would I would love to see DC do that. I know people have been asking for that. DC Fox says, "Have you ever been to Anime Expo? Is it something you've considered covering for the site?" Um, uh, you know, I. It's it's hard to say. Back when we were we were aligned with with uh, anime vice, you know, I, I had thought about it before, uh, if I remember correctly, anime expos in San Jose, which is just south of San Francisco. Um, the, the problem is since I'm more focused on Comic Vine, you know, back then and especially now, I don't know if that's something that that would benefit the site per se. And where it comes down to it is like, you know, especially over the weekend, it's like, you know, obviously you guys know I work a lot. And, you know, do I want to go to a convention that's not going to directly benefit the site or do I want to spend time with my family? So that, that's that been the main thing. Um, you know, I, I, I am a fan of, of anime and manga. I don't read as much as, you know, I, I used to. And you know that was what I loved about you know working on Anime Vice because in the beginning, you know, I I was making a lot of the, the wiki pages you know before we launched, and I was even adding news to the site. I mean, if if you go on Anime Vice, you'll probably see some some old articles and stuff that I did. I, I mainly I did a lot of Speed Racer stuff, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I I wouldn't rule it out completely, but I it's it's not one that I would necessarily go to, you know, it wouldn't be at the top of my list. Even when um San Jose had big wow uh like a, a month or so ago, you know, th- there there is some it that was a more straight comic convention, but even that I was like I you know, I don't know if I want to drive, you know, a couple hours to go there for the weekend, you know. So we'll we'll see. But perhaps someday. Uh, Stetson says, Hey G Man, is there an email address I can send something to you? So I believe I replied to you. Um if if you ever you know, another option for sending questions um, for this podcast or the other podcast, you can just email it um, podcast at comicvine.com. So I will get that email. If you do send a question, make sure you specify which podcast you would like it for, whether it's this one, supermassive, invincibly supermassive podcast, stuff or the regular weekly podcast. You know, like if you have a question just for me or if you have a question for Corey and, you know, Jen or Matt or Greg or, you know, whoever else is on. Um, and, yeah, so you, you can send your, your questions there. Uh, let's see. Johnny Joker has another question. He says, I'm a relatively new weekly comics reader for two years. When and how did Jubilee become a vampire? So that was in... Um, it was when they, they launched a new X-Men series. Um, I have to think of the year. So it was, you know, Victor Gishler was doing it. I'm thinking it was like 2000. It wasn't 2006. It, had, it was more recent that, um, let me think. It was actually, I, I think it was 2010. Um, so yeah, it, it was a it was an X Men series, and they they ended up doing away with with this series. I think I think it was only like like forty something issues, but it was um, Curse of the Mutants was a storyline, and I don't remember the, the exact issue, but there's I'm sure there's a Curse of the Mutants trade because I think it was like like five or six issues. So that is when Jubilee was bitten. I'm pretty sure. Unless I'm, t- yeah, I'm pr- almost positive. Um, I don't know if it was happening and ended a first issue or something like that. And, um, well, the only reason that this w- was good. Actually, wait, no. She wasn't bitten by, I don't think she was bitten. Because I remember it's like, her, it was one day had Utopia. And so Jubilee wasn't a mutant because she lost her powers during M-Day. Wow, man, so much X-Men history. Um, so she she lost her powers, but she was still hanging out with, with the X-Men. And I think it was Jubilee and might have been Pixie. I think they were, because I remember they were in San Francisco. They were like having lunch or something like that. There was like a vampire terrorist that blew himself up. And I think because he blew up that all his blood Went everywhere, and I don't know if that's how Jubilee became infected. Because I, I think, I think they they brought Dracula into this story. I don't know if it was the actual Dracula or not. It could be wrong. But there's like some other Dracula's son or something like that. Um And I, I, I don't remember. Maybe they they then they bit her. Oh, my goodness, people are like probably screaming at me right now because I'm I'm getting the facts all all messed up but that that's when um she became a vampire cuz she she started like feel, feeling or hearing the the, the call of a vampire um the the blood she was affected and i think then she actually went to it and then someone turned her into a vampire so i believe she's still a vampire um you know you don't really hear a lot about that they don't really reference it so much but i mean that was their way to kind of give her some powers again. Poor Jubilee. Um, Okay, let's see. Uh, Elwood Toast says, so who do you think is going to die in Trinity War? I'm guessing Cyborg. He has no series of his own. He's expendable. So this was on July 9th. So this was um, before the first issue of Trinity War came out. Um." Yeah, I mean, you would think it's Cyborg because you know it, it can't be Superman, it can't be Batman, it can't be Wonder Woman, it can't be Flash. You know, can't can't be a character that has their own book that that would make things a little difficult unless they were to replace them in there, which they wouldn't do. Um, if you read the first issue, um, Just League twenty two, you know who it was, and yeah, um, I don't know how I feel about that because it's just like really, I mean, um, we'll we'll have to. Have to see if, if anyone else is going to, it's right. And supposedly all of the Justice League is going to die. So who knows? Rotsina Handbag This is Kevin. This is with Vertigo releasing a lot of great new titles this year. What are some of your favorite Vertigo books of all time? So this is going to be the point where I'm probably going to like forget like the absolute obvious one. And then afterwards I'm going to be like, be kicking myself. Um, you know what, like immediately comes to mind, you know, why the last man, you know, that, that was a great series. I, I love fables. Um, I, I got into fables a little late, like I think when it was around issue, I think maybe like in the twenties or thirties. And I I remember, uh, going to Chicago to visit my parents. And so I, I picked up like two or three trades, um, and I, I just, I, I devoured them and, what was was neat about that? So you know, if you're familiar with fables, it it basically takes the fairy tale characters. They're in the real world, and you know, there's more mature situations. You know, not mature as in like like ooh, this is dirty, um, just like other things. But what was was neat about it is my my daughter at the time, you know, she was young and she was into a lot of these fairy tales, you know, a lot of the Disney, you know, stuff like that. So then seeing these other versions of these same characters, it was, it was just, it was a really fascinating, um, take. So it was interesting to, to, to read all that. Um, you know, American vampire is great. The wake is, is going on now. Um, and then, the, you know, it depends, you know, like hellblazer, you know, I, I read that like back in the eighties. Um, and, you know, then off and on, you know there's some swamp things that i think yeah one was vertigo um punk rock jesus was was great um so, see this is i almost forgot sandman of course you know sandman was 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 epic um i'm sure there, there's other ones but i'm i'm yeah i could sit here rambling and and like stuttering and thinking so we'll see um Nicholas Prime with ones instead of eyes. So Nicholas says, in a Jeff Johns preview of Trinity War, so there's like a a YouTube video where he kind of talks about what's coming up. Swamp Thing is listed as a member. Is this the case? Um, Technically, I mean, as as far as the, the actual Swamp Thing series, he is not a member of the Justice League. Now, he has had... A couple appearances in Justice League Dark, so maybe by association he'll get pulled into it um, that way. And you know, maybe it's like you know when when the poop hits the fan, and he happens to be around, and they're like, "Dude, we need your help because this is crazy. Everyone's fighting each other." So maybe he'll get pulled in that way. And you know, maybe it's it's maybe it's just like an unofficial tease or a revelation that. You know he's he's gonna be hanging out with Justice League Dark more often because uh, in the current issues we had John Constantine in there, so maybe it's just it's gonna work out you know matter of convenience whether he wants to or not it's just it'll be the thing to do, so we'll see. Um, how about some more forum questions? Um, I don't believe I read this one last time. Um, this is Antonio Stark. It says, how would you suggest getting my comics graded? I have the first three issues of Web of Spider-Man signed by Stan Lee. Would love to get them graded and sealed to look all pretty and whatnot. I've seen booths at WonderCon to deal with this. Would you? Would it be hard to get my books graded without proof that Stan Lee actually signed them? Um, so CGC, they are pretty much like, like the... Um, the 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 graders, the graders, the graders, the the great graders, they're the ones that people like trust and, and rely on. So yeah, they they are at a lot of conventions. You can you know, look for them online, and I I would be reluctant to. I mean I'm sure it's totally safe, but you can like mail them your comics to get them graded, and they'll you know tell you and send them back or whatever. But you can go to the conventions, and you know I, I never I always forget what the the price is because you know there's different rates and and all that. As far as the signature thing, that's where it could be, be tricky. Cause you know, just in general, if, if you have a comic that's signed, you know how you can prove that it's actually signed by them. Um, you know, I always suggest like if you go to a convention, you know, get a picture of you with the, the creator, or, you know, them signing it or, you know, something like that. It's unfortunate, um, that, you know, there are people that would, you know, forge this stuff. That would just, you know, try to sign it and, and say, yeah, you know, th- this is, this is a signature, um, you know, so-and-so dead creator um, who died 20 years ago signed this copy of Superman Unchained that just came out. You know, so, um, but I'm sure this is something that they've dealt with. You know, you, you could probably, if you, you look up CGC online, they, they pr- got to have a help email or contact number. You could probably ask them you know how to deal with this because I'm sure this has happened before, and whether I don't know if they would have a record of like actual signatures somehow to verify it um, but yeah it's that might be hard because you know you could buy signed comics like from like dynamic forces that are are certified that have a, a certificate of authenticity that's actually signed, but if you just went to a convention and got them signed, that could be a little trickier, so I don't have an exact answer there. Okay, one more from Ecto Borg. Yoji man, I love your intense voice. Um X-Men related question from what we know about the X-Men, they don't seem to do anything besides fight other mutants. Even the X-Men are fighting the evil mutants, should they be considered superheroes because they don't do much for the non-mutants? Um well, Juggernaut's not a mutant. So, you know, that kind of negates that whole thing right there cuz, you know, Juggernaut was Professor Xavier's half-brother, step-brother. Step brother, and you know he got the the jewel of sitter or whatever it 's called, and um that's you know so they, they fought him a lot, so it's it's not just mutants they fight you know I mentioned a uh, curse of the mutants you know they they fought vampires, so they do fight others Um, yeah, so they they fought the Avengers too avengers versus x men they're not mutants They've been out in space, you know, fought against the Shi'ar. So, they, they do other things. Have the X-Men fought any non-mutant-related supervillains? Um, so, yeah, I mentioned that. Would the evil mutants make good villains for other heroes? Uh, some of them have. Like, other other villains have fought Magneto. Um, I'm trying to think, like, what what other mutant villains do we we have? Um Oh, and, like, the X-Men fought Arcade, who's not a mutant. Um, But some evil mutants, it's like, yeah, I mean, and now, especially with Uncanny Avengers, we're seeing more of the crossover, so it's not just, you know, X-Men and Avengers, you know, they're they're meshing together. Do you, um, do any of the individual X-Men have anything that would make them work as standalone hero, like an X-Car secret hideout? Uh, Not really, you know, um, Angel used to have, like, you know, when he had money, he would have different things, but... Um, I mean Gambit ha- hangs out with himself you know James wrote the Gambit series and you know he was by himself so um, yeah and they they pretty much all stick together because that's what they do so that is it for this week thanks for listening thanks to James Asmus um, make sure you check out Quantum and Woody um, it's good stuff and you know just all the Valiant stuff I mean they're 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 doing it right, so I know it's hard. It's like there's all these new comics; they're good. So you know, if you're looking for a sort of newer universe, you know, if you don't want have you know a million different crossovers and you know like that we're seeing all the time with the big two, check out some of the Valiant books. I mean, it's good stuff. Um, so yeah, that is the podcast. Keep asking your questions. Um, I, I know the schedule's been a little a little wacky. You Maybe you've noticed, maybe not. Um, you know, with with San Diego and everything. I survived, so I'll talk to you guys next week. Send your questions on Twitter. You can at reply me GMan from Heck. Use a hashtag AskGMan or go to the AskGMan video questions on a general form, and your questions will be answered. So thanks a lot, guys. I'll talk to you soon. So, so my, question my question is: is who could, it who could it be? We don't know. know. And I would like to ask like you ask which comic you book does affect you that's most emotionally? Yeah, That's the question. I'll question. shake your don't head. I love elephants. A John, John Byrne issue. issue. I, I love I Alan Davis. I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate creative team. I gave this a I gave two. This a two. <laughs>